Hey everybody, Tom Block. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles and thank you to Seminole Boosters for their support of this program and more than that, their support of Florida State student-athletes. If you're listening to this show and you're not a booster, what are you doing? Support the program and the student-athletes you care about. All the information you need is online at boosters.fsu.edu. Your gift makes an impact. It supports scholarships and sports medicine, strength and conditioning, nutrition, equipment. Buy tickets, show the student-athletes you care. All the info you need, boosters.fsu.edu. And all the info you need this week, well, here's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ back with you. This is Front Row Knowles. Keith, how are you, sir? I am doing well. Doing well. How's the block household? Uh, all is good. We're uh, we're only three weeks in, but it feels like midseason form for uh, travel soccer. So that's what's going on in uh, <laughs> in my world right now. If you need to know what the sports complex looks like in Panama City, uh, we can debrief offline. Uh, I-10 looks the same. I can assure you that. It has not changed. Maybe a few less trees because of Hurricane Michael, but not much. Exactly right. Well, we're closer to football and uh, a couple of scrimmages in and thing, the news continues to be pretty positive uh, for Florida State football. You know, one thing we haven't talked a lot about, what do you think, what, what are you expecting from Jordan Travis this year, Keith? Uh, I am expecting uh, improvement and I'm expecting consistency. And uh, we all know, and Coach Norvell's talked about it, Coach Alex has talked about it. We all know what he can do with his feet. But I want to see his ability to throw the ball from the pocket or with some limited rollouts or waggles and, and be on target and make good decisions. In other words, just continue that progress. There's no question about his athleticism. Obviously, his durability is always a concern, uh, and, uh, you know, rightfully so. But um, I, I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm not saying he's going to be light years ahead. But I think you're going to see some improvement and some consistency, and they were all going to feel very good about. That was really my question. Do you think we're going to look back, or at some point of the season, we'll look up and say, you know what, he's better than I realized. And I'm not saying winning the Heisman. I'm just saying if he's got an extra second because the offensive line's better, and his receivers are actually getting separation, which hasn't happened in his starting career at FSU, uh, things get a little easier, and maybe he does look that much better. And the game slows down and it's decision-making. After-snap decision-makings can be better. When you're running for your life and you can't get past your first read, it makes it very difficult for a quarterback to prove that he can throw the football. No question. Keith, uh, before we uh, tee up Bob Ferrante, who will join us, uh, shout-out to our sponsors who are back for another year. Uh, and Shout-out to you for getting that done. But, but, but we appreciate uh, the Earl Bacon Agency, Prime Meridian Bank, Ops and Chevrolet and everything. They've done a great job for us. They've been with us for a number of years. They continue to support what we're doing. Uh, and we just encourage our listeners to, what, what's the word, patronize them? Go visit them. You'll be glad you did. Uh, exactly right. Okay, we'll take a break. We will come back and uh, fire things up. Bob Ferranti is up next, then some seminal soccer later on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, time to hear from our Osceola insider as we open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency insuring your 
future together, and we're happy to have them back again for another run. Appreciate their longtime support of this program. Appreciate our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante, who joins us now. And, Bob, we've we've turned the corner. We're past the doldrums of fall camp because we're almost to a game week now, 10 days away. It feels really, really close. I think that's a good thing. I, I think guys are ready to play in a true game, especially when you've got an extended camp like this with the extra week and then the built-in off days. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that Jacksonville trip, I think, almost symbolized, hey, you're, you're starting to turn the corner. The depth charts are going to get sort of settled in, and, and you're going to begin those true preparations for, for week zero. It appeared that there was general happiness with the second scrimmage. What are you hearing? I think general happiness is, is a good term. Um, Mike Norvell said flying around three times. And I, I took that to be a very positive thing because when you're practicing Monday through Friday, no break, you're practicing in two different cities, you're traveling from Jacksonville back to Tallahassee on Saturday morning, and then you're going to scrimmage that night. And that's supposed to be in Doak, but then it's moving to the IPF because of lightning. You've got a lot of different moving pieces for, for the athletes. And when he says flying around, it just means that's a good thing. He's very happy with the energy level. And, you know, we, we've heard there's been some explosive plays. We've heard there was some great tackling. Tatum Bethune shows up on scrimmages. I think Tatum Bethune is going to be a guy who's going to show up on game night because that guy is just, he's live and ready to go. And, and Jamie Robinson's back into it. And, and that's a guy that they need, that kind of a racer in the middle of the field. So yeah, lots of positives. I, I think some of the negatives, some of the question marks are, are just going to be, yeah, you know, the, the tackling isn't quite there and it never quite is there because of the NCAA rules within August. But overall, I think there's just a lot of competition and a lot of depth. So overall, you, you look at these coaches seem very happy. And I think they can tell the progress from 2020, now in year three, they can really appreciate how far these guys have come through the program, through strength and conditioning, just to get ready to this point. I'm going to take us on a tangent, fellas. Apologies. But you, the names you just mentioned there, Bob, uh, the analogy I'm using for this team, uh, it's like a, a, a baseball team. They're strong up the middle, right, at, at catcher and short and second and center field. When you look at starting with Fabian Lovett and then you're going to Tatum Bethune and Jamie Robinson. But more specifically, Fabian Bethune and Robinson are all portal guys or transfers. Uh, Fabian might have been before the portal was open for business. I don't remember. But there's been the, the the conversation has been that at some point Florida State needs to revert back to sign in 90% high school kids and maybe you get a couple guys in the portal. My question is, does it? I mean, to me, and I'm this is me, the high school kids are the ones who are a little more high maintenance. They're chasing the NIL deal. They think they're everybody's all American. You get a guy that's three years out of high school and realizes that the you know that 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 ship didn't sail for them they're bigger why couldn't you do 60 percent freshman and 40 percent transfer guys or whatever the math equates to that norvell and company have had to do the last two years are you buying yeah i think there's a lot of positives to this i, I do think norvell said a couple of years back that he really wanted to hit florida high schools more get more recruits out of the state and and that was the way he wanted to build the program and i think just the way he evaluated the roster he kept saying, we need veterans, we need leadership, we need experience. How do you get that? Well, you you find the right guy, the right fit, the right personality out of the portal. And, and that worked with a 
you know, Jermaine Johnson. It worked with Akira Thomas. All reports are Tatum Bethune is that guy. And Jamie Robinson as a second-year guy. I think what I love about the portal is you can go out there and find a one-year guy, but go find a two- or three-year guy, and then you can really build those guys. It's almost like you're developing a high school kid, but maybe he's, he's ahead from a strength and conditioning standpoint. So we're going to see Fabian Lovett being a third-year guy in the program. He's been here longer, and he was at Mississippi State. So in a lot of regards, you have that time if you look at him and say, if this guy is patient and willing to work, and willing to commit to strength and conditioning and connects with the coach and everything just lines up just right. You've got that ideal person for that position. And he's a little bit older and mature knows how to kind of walk the college life and balance the, the time management variables and all that. Yeah. I I'm with everybody. You, you want to go back to the old days to some regards of create that pipeline back to South Florida and get all the best kids out of Miami and, and Broward and Palm Beach, but to some extent, you got to be older too, because a lot of all these other schools are older. You have to have those transfer veterans, the right fits that just make you prepared day in and day out for for what you're going to face. Well, the old man says nay, nay. Of course, he does. And part of the reason that Mike has had to do this is because of the mess that he inherited. You get back to winning nine or ten ball games a year, and you get back where you've got your people in those high schools and talking to those coaches, you can get back to where it made this program what it is. Um, and I'm not willing to abandon that yet. Does that mean that the kids that have been brought in, you know, are not true Seminoles? No, I don't mean that at all. I'm just saying um, once you get your program back where it needs to be, uh, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, you know, they take kids off of the portal, but there ain't a lot of them. They grow their own. And I hope we can get back to that. Yeah, I think for the right now, you're you're in a situation where you you've got to hit the portal. Agree. Yeah. Long term, yes, I also agree. And you know, part of it is COVID hurt the recruiting of this staff that particularly with them being new have anything to fall back on all right i get the point fellas you're not buying what i was selling i hear you let's 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 change topics then and go back on the field uh the running back group bob is i don't know i think most people looked at it you lost a pretty good back you got a pretty good back in and they're going to be fine but i feel like through camp that story has shifted a little to it's actually a better group than we realized overall. And now there's a newcomer in the mix that's kind of a hybrid player. Trey Benson has gotten good reviews. I mean, what's your impression of the running back group? I went into, let's say, the spring in March thinking, I don't know how this is going to look and how it's going to work out. To, wow, I've seen enough of Trey Benson to think, you know, that this kid could be a thousand-yard rusher. And, and the the asterisk is you don't know how many carries Trey Benson's going to get. He's not going to be that 20 carry plus a guy. Um, it's just not going to work that way. Everybody that we've talked to says they're going to use three running backs. That's what Mike Norvell likes historically. Memphis, Florida State, they're not going to lean on one guy. If you're caught up on, on somebody trying to get to 1,000 yards because it's a cool stat, it's great history, okay, you know, no problem with that. I just think you know, Trey Benson is a potential difference maker. Just the way he runs between the tackles, once he gets outside, what he can do north, south, and and rack up yards fast. 
we know what Treshawn Ward can do. I love he still has that chip on the shoulder. He still practices like a guy who's who's going to be a big contributor. And Mike Norvell has praised Lawrence Toafili multiple times throughout camp, says he's probably the most improved player that they have on the roster, just what he's seen through preseason camp. You add in Josh Burrell, what he might be able to do as a hybrid running back receiver. You add in yet another guy, Rodney Hill, who if the depth chart weren't just pretty loaded with veterans, I think Rodney Hill could play, could play year one and get some carries. They've really got an abundance of wealth without, again, without going into March saying that's your number one back. They they kind of figured out the different roles and I'm perfectly fine with this with, with the running back by committee approach because I think that's that's what's best for the roster. That's what's best for the offense. And really it might be what's best for the uh, for the offensive line. If your identity is that you can run block, then yeah, that's what you're gonna do. You're gonna run block and you've got a stable of running backs that can that can get you the yards when you need them. I think everyone is in agreement that the offensive line is better. Uh, and and I even revert back to other old school things. Now they got to get reps together. Now you got to stay healthy. You know, there's going to be some bumps and bruises along the way. People are going to miss a game or two or three. You got to have backups. Are we there yet? Are we getting closer? I, I think the answer is we're getting closer. Not sure we're here, yet uh, there. What do you think? I think the best thing about the group beyond the depth is is the true experience within the group. You know, you've got so many transfers. You've got, you know, you know, Bless Harris, I think, has exceeded expectations. An FCS guy coming up to the Power Five um, in position to start. Dimitri Emanuel, familiar with Coach Atkins from Charlotte. Lots of experience in position to start. Darius Washington might be that guy at, at center. We'll see how it all plays out. Tons of experience at different positions, versatility. That's great. Dylan Gibbons, we know what Dylan Gibbons can give you. Um, and Robert Scott at, at the left tackle spot where he started last year. You just feel really, really good about, I think, where that first potential five can be. And then, then you're kind of looking to the second five. The second five ends up being younger for sure. But we're seeing some young names develop. We're seeing you know, a guy like a Bryson Estes and a Thomas Schrader, a couple of guys with some good experience there. Um, you know, Jazz Turrentine has been been praised, a uh, transfer from South Carolina. So I think the staff's always been looking for eight. And maybe the search for t- a true 10 is is kind of nuts right now just because of, you know, the portal and the competition and all that. And maybe 10 is just unrealistic. But if you can start to get enough versatility within those twos where, hey, this guy can plug at right guard or left guard, you're feeling good about him. Or, you know, this you got to you got to keep developing centers. You want to have, I think Mike Norvell said he wants five or six centers. Well, that's, that's great. You want to have as many of those guys as possible. You want to keep developing tackles and you know, who knows where Julian Armella is going to eventually line up. If it's, if it's a tackle or, or a guard and even how much he might play, but these are all good discussions because you're able to kind of cross train and, and get a feel for it. And I love what Alex Atkins did on Saturday night. He said, you've, you've been practicing on the right side all year, all camp. I'm going to throw you on the left side. He's just trying to throw all kinds of crazy stuff at him. And he called it monkey wrenches. I, I was kind of laughing while he's saying it, but that's really good stuff to, to kind of put these guys out there in, in uncomfortable, adverse circumstances and just see what happens when you've got truly a top flight defensive line coming at you every play. 
Bob, what else of note from the football field before I bounce to a different topic? It's just time to play ball, I know, but anything else our listeners should be aware of? Yeah, I, I think you know, we've had this discussion a little bit, just that the positions you didn't feel great about last year, you feel better about going into the fall. For example, wide receiver and linebacker. You're, you're seeing that true depth and competition at wide receiver emerge. And yeah, there's still some drops and it, it's it's not pretty at times, but you're seeing a lot of veterans and transfers stand out. And there's just, just too many to name, but I would say you're going to feel better about that wide receiver group. You don't feel great about the true depth at linebacker, but you're seeing a younger, I'm sorry, a, 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 a leaner DJ Lundy. That's a positive. A Tatum Bethune who's going to be out there and, and just a lot of plays. He's going to be very impactful. And Kalen Deloach too. So I, I think you feel better about two position groups that you just didn't feel great about coming out of 21. Talking with our Osceola insider, Bob Ferranti, the Osceola now part of the Rivals Network. Go ahead and subscribe if you've not done so already. Bob, the basketball team just returned from Canada. You get to do this once every four years. The NCAA allows a a foreign trip. Uh, I'm not sure why they chose Canada. Maybe the travel concerns were easier to to stay in North America. But regardless, what what were the benefits or what, what did you make of that trip? Yeah, they've they've done you know Greece and Jamaica, maybe some more uh, exotic destinations than than Canada in, in past years. But I think the big bonus is when you have a roster that just looks so completely and vastly different. You know, you know five holdovers who are second year players. You don't have the veterans of the Malik Osborns and the Anthony Polites. You've got to build that chemistry and, and rapport, and, and they're, they're able to do that on the court, but. To be able to do that on a road trip, um, you know, in hotels, I saw a video of them zip lining uh, through one of the cities uh, over the water up in Canada. And that's, that's, that's awesome. That's a great experience to have in August. And when you can only do this every four years, you have to be kind of careful which window to take. And maybe they're delayed a little bit by COVID as far as which year to choose. But this one made a lot of sense. I think this is a great opportunity to have three games up there, three scrimmages up there before those games. So, yeah, 10 good days just to kind of build for the future. And then on the soccer pitch, the the Seminoles are actually the first sport that gets started this fall. They play uh, Thursday night. They open up, I think, against South Carolina. You had a chance to get out there. Uh, tenuous maybe is too strong a word. Maybe not. But it, it was uh, it was certainly interesting times when FSU had a transition in soccer coaches and, and the new coach wasn't sure who was staying from his old team. What What did you gather this week? I think it's a roster that would be enviable of most programs outside of say North Carolina, Virginia, Duke, you know, some of those top flight teams. I think a lot of coaches would say, I'd love to have that roster. And Brian Penske would say, I'd love to have Emily Madrill back. You know, I think, I think he felt like Emily could have been, you know, a Mac Herman award winner, you know, somebody who's, who's the Heisman of women's soccer. So there were a couple of girls who did decide to move on and it was just time for them. But he's also got a very veteran group, and you know Clara Robbins and Jenna Nyswanger, and he's got the keepers back. And, and I think defense is the big question. You know, playing on that back line for them, just how good are you going to be defensively? Because you know, for for every score that looks good, it's always looked good because they put zeros for the opponents up on the scoreboard, and, and that gets a little bit tougher now. And it's, it's going to be a big challenge moving forward because you're jumping right into it on the road, SEC schools instead of you know, opening up here at home in Tallahassee. So praise him for the ambition and the challenge of what's coming up. And 
you know, they may not all be pretty, they may not all be wins, but I think it's really good kind of foundational challenges to learn about these ladies and, and kind of what the season will be ahead for them. Such a hard guy to talk to, though. He's just not very friendly with the media, is he? <laughs> he apologized to us at one time for, for answering too lengthy, too too descriptive of, of a question. And we said, no, no, we like that. We like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Bob, we appreciate it. Uh, by the way, folks, as we go to break, we'll continue the conversation about soccer on the other side. Jenna Nicewanger, who Bob just mentioned, is going to join us. Stay with us on Front Row Knowles. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom and Keith back with you. Let's open up that Earl Bacon Agency hotline, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. It is a busy time on the fall sports calendar. Football a couple of weeks away. Volleyball also in action. And so is Seminole Soccer, which actually starts the season on Thursday night this week. And we're really pleased to have a veteran star from the FSU team join us. This is Jenna Neiswanger. How are you, Jenna? I'm doing good. Really looking forward to the upcoming games. I'm, I'm sure that you are. It's uh, been quite the off season, but uh, as a veteran with, with the bullseye on your back, we'll start there and then we'll get into coaching change and all that sort of thing. Uh, how was, how was this year different or, or how are your emotions different as you go in knowing that now you've got a championship to defend as you open up against South Carolina? Um, I think that we look at more the season more as an opportunity to win another championship rather than defend our national championship. Um we kind of forget about last season because now there's nothing we can do to affect, affect that. So now it's just looking forward on the future and how we can look to win the national championship this year again. You know, a lot's been said. We won't get into details. It's immaterial now, but you do have a new coach. Uh, just talk about uh, what, what Penske's brought to the program and, and where you're at uh, as you head into that opening match. Um, I think it's great to, um, have a, of course we're really grateful for Mark and everything that he's taught us but I think the attitude around the team is that Mark's always taught us to be professional so in order to do so we're going to have to deal with managerial changes and it's just part of the game it's part of life so we're really excited that um, Brian took over um, we're really thankful for what he's done he's been very welcoming um, and he's been very open about his coaching style and he's understands that we're very mature um, knowing players. So he's taking advice from us and we're learning a lot from him. I think the coaching staff he's brought in along with him too has been very helpful. And I think our team has grown a lot so far in these past two weeks we've been together. When the transition occurred, and I think a lot of players, I don't know if you were one of them, weren't weren't sure what their future was. Am I going to stay at FSU? Am I going to look at other options? Was it really just a wait and see, like, let's give him a chance? Was it a team meeting? Was there one moment where everybody said, okay, we're all in, we've still got a great nucleus, and he's a good coach too? Or, or what, what was the moment as you reflect back? Um, during the transition, we had a lot of team meetings, um, just getting polls of like whether people were entering the transfer portal, whether they were definitely staying or not staying. And I think that helped the team grow a lot. If we had been isolated um, one-on-one and just up to make our own decisions, I think the team wouldn't have like come back as strong as it did. So I think there was a point in time during the summer where we got together on Zoom and we were just like, okay, we're all staying, we're all committed. 
to having the best season that we can um, under Brian Penske. Um, I was able to talk a lot with him over the summer, have a few phone calls and meet with him in person a few times. And I think upon meeting him the first time, I knew that he's business and he's professional and that I would grow a lot this um, season under him. Jenna, before we look ahead, let's look back just real quick. I like reliving the moments of national championships. I'm sure you do too. (laughs) What was that like for you? You've played internationally. I'll ask you about that a little later, but um, you've had some big moments. Any bigger than that? And what was the emotion like? Um, I think having the national championship back in May in the back of our mind, we were extra committed to winning this one in December. Um, A lot of emotion. I've never played Apart from the last national championship, in, I've never played in a game that big, um, that important. And it was kind of a crazy environment because it was almost like a BYU home game. So we felt like a little bit, I don't necessarily think we we're the underdogs, but it, we felt like we had the crowd going against us as well. But we were able to pull through and it was just such an incredible group of people that we had on the team. And we knew down to like the PKs, we were all really confident that we were going to win. And I think amazing plays from okay and the pk takers to get us that national title so tell our listeners and us a little bit about uh the nucleus that's back i mean because there's a lot of familiar names back and and it's not like florida state has struggled on the recruiting trail even with the transition because fsu has been the preeminent program uh you know what what do you like about the composition of this roster and what you've seen during fall training so far um i think one big thing that is important at Florida State soccer that obviously can go unnoticed to people that aren't a direct part of it is that we have really great team culture. It's something that Mark's instilled in us since basically recruiting days. He recruits girls that um, treat soccer like they want to go pro. So it's very important to them. It's not something just like on the side. Um, So having that like great team culture, you're not as players leave the team, the team culture is not going to leave. So even though we lost a lot of big names, we still have this, like, like you said, this great nucleus of people, and we're all very focused on winning the national championship this year. Um, like you said, the freshman that came in, um, Brian recruited a great player, and then we had two more freshmen come in, and they've been great so far, and um, just really, like, fit into our team culture. Meetings are very important as we build that, just to get everyone on the same page, but like I said, as people leave, I mean, the team culture that we have stays, so I think it's been really helpful that to build that over the past few years because it's been really important right now. Certainly, I would think your focus during camp has been uh, razor sharp because you're opening Thursday night against number 12 South Carolina and then you got to travel to Athens Mm -hmm. and play uh, UGA. You don't get back on your home grass, new grass, by the way, until next week sometime. Um, What do you know about the Gamecocks? What do you know about Georgia? What do you think the approach is going to be as you get ready for the opening games? Um, I think so far we're kind of just laser focused on South Carolina. Um, We know they're a really good team. They have been for uh, quite a while now. So um, there's definitely some nerves, but a lot of excitement running through our team. Um, It's going to be a soccer game for sure. There's not going to be a lot of just kicking and running like you see with some college teams. So I think it's going to play to our advantage for sure. Um, It's just going to come down to who's the most professional team, who's prepared the most. So it's going to be exciting because both teams are going to look to build out and keep possession. So it's going to be a great game. I don't know if the schedule was already set or if or if Brian had to fill in some blanks, but either way, he's coming from the SEC, so it can't hurt that your first three opponents are SEC, and he, he knows a little bit about those teams from being there. I'm curious, what are the uh, 
differences? I, I'm not uh, not necessarily bad, but what are the differences in styles from from Mark to Brian as you've gone through training? Um, I think the good thing is that I will say first and foremost that Brian has done a really good job at adapting to things that we are normal um, used to doing with Mark. He's not come in and just completely changed our ways of thinking. Um, and everything like that, which I think we've been like really appreciative of because his ego is, he's very humble. He has no ego and it's not like I'm here now. I have to do what I'm used to, but he just thinks like, why not fix what's not broken or whatever that's saying. Is. <laughs> but right. um, I think Brian is, I think he has like, um maybe like a bit more of a, like an aggressive playing style, which I think can be useful as we look to use our speed up top. Um, Mark was very much about like patience. And although Brian still preaches that a lot, I think he does want us to attack a little bit more and use our front five. Um, we're all like, we have a lot of good subs too and good starters. So I think we're going to look to attack a lot more and play a little bit more exciting soccer. Um, I don't know if that's the right word, but going forward a little bit more, taking more chances. Now, Tommy, I, I actually did my homework this time. Uh, Jenna, you'll find out if you ever listen to our show. There's a first for places. everything, Keith. We learned exactly. to do the show for nine years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take me back to 2016. <laughs> You're in Italy playing for the U.S. team. And the U.S. plays Iran mm -hmm. the first time on the women's side that the United States had played Iran. What was that like? Um, I think that was just a really special moment to be a part of. I think um, to always have that with me is something like so important. I think soccer in the way that it can bring so many different people together was just like so special. Um, I do remember in that game, I got my knee like torn open. I had to get stitches. So I only played like 20 minutes. But I think to even like start and be part of that game was just really special. And all the girls were so nice and it was really fun. We got to take pictures and like, speak with them a few of us a few of them came to our hotel like later that night and we got to have like conversations with them it was really special so i'm curious and i haven't looked at the roster but i'm assuming is there still a pretty big international flair on the roster right now is what there's been historically yeah we have a lot of internationals still which i think is great so helpful to our program so you you obviously learn about you talk about the culture of the team but you learn a lot about world culture too because there's so many different nationalities represented you're you're from california i'm curious so what what's the uh, and let's go with a meal. What's the one thing that on the surface you thought that doesn't sound appealing at all. And now you've learned, you know what, that's pretty good. And I know that's why that is a staple in this country or, or something along those lines. Um, like for soccer. Well, for soccer, it can be, it can be anything. I mentioned food, but whether it's a style of oh, soccer okay. or, or whether it's a food that you, you appreciate now, or just, uh, something culturally that you've picked up from your teammates. Oh, um, I think I live with three internationals. So I think like I'm constantly surrounded by like different culture and things like that, which I think is very interesting. Like um, even the way like we greet each other is very different, but I think like food wise, I haven't quite learned a lot about it, but I think soccer wise, it's been really interesting to see. We have a girl from Portugal and she's very good with her feet. Um, likes to do like a lot of dances around the ball and stuff like that. And then you have Beata from Sweden. She's powerful she can strike a ball really hard so and then so you just see all these different like cultures come out through the way they play soccer which I think is really interesting um, and you can see it in the U.S. too being from California we play a more of a 
um, more of like a passing um, possession based style of soccer, whereas people in the South usually play a stronger, like more physical game. So I think having all these different cultures come together for soccer is really helpful because we have the best of every world pretty much. That's a, that's a good description. Uh, Jenna, we'll let you get going. We know you're still in the midst of training. You got to travel to South Carolina. Uh, it, it's been a great program to watch it grow over the years. You've been a big part of that the last few years. So continued success. Have a great season. Okay. Thank you for having me. You Thanks, Jenna. Jenna Nicewanger from the FSU soccer team. We'll take a break and come back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. A few minutes to finish things up on this week's Front Row Knowles. Then we get to a game week next week. Uh, Seminole soccer is certainly going to seem... Uh, Strange without Mark Krikorian, just to finish up uh, the, the interview with Jenna Nicewanger there, or finish the thought on, on Seminole soccer. We appreciate her taking time out of training schedule to join us. Um, I'm pretty confident they're still going to be pretty good, but those are some big shoes to fill when you come in, and it's not often that a coach is replacing a national championship coach, but that's that's the charge for Ryan Penske as he inherits the program. Well, all you got to do uh, in judging Coach Penske is look at the two games he scheduled to begin the season. As I mentioned, the Jenner, they're both on the road. One's at number 12, South Carolina, and then you travel to Athens and play Georgia. I think they got Florida in game four. Um, so you, you, you see that he's not shying away from those things which he knew as the former coach of Tennessee going after some of the, the, the marquee programs in the SEC. And we all know what he's going to get in the ACC once you get into those powerhouses. So he certainly hasn't shied away from um, the the inevitable, you know, bullseye that is on their backs. And by the way, are we ever going to talk to a soccer player, one of those ladies, that isn't the most polished, poised, and 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 mature individual? I, I never. I leave every time we meet one of those new players and have an opportunity. Jenna's not new, obviously, as a senior, but new to the program, per se. You know, it's just amazing the quality of those young ladies, the quality new to, of those new, young new ladies. New to our program, not new to the – Exactly, exactly, program. exactly. Yeah, when you exactly. put it like that, Keith, it's amazing that uh, other players continue to come on the show. But, you know, so <laughs> uh, as polished as they are, and they keep talking to us. But we do appreciate Jenna joining us. You're not yep. reacting, Keith. Are you frozen on Zoom, or did my humor just, you know? Oh, you. I'm you sorry. To... You're trying to be humorous. Yes. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. No. Is that a little more yes. animated? Okay. Let's let's shift gears. Let's shift gears. <laughs> I thought I just needed to talk more slowly for you. That's all. You know. Don't go there, Tommy. Um, the uh, Tallahassee Quarterback Club, by the way, uh, gets its season kicked off this coming week. Mike Norvell will join. Uh, the group on Tuesday. Uh, so look into that if you're not a member of the Tor Tallahassee Quarterback Club. Uh, what What are your thoughts on on Norvell and and what you're expecting to see in, in year three here? Well, uh, you know, I think he is getting comfortable, obviously, uh, with Bob and, and the other fellows at the Osceola and other media groups. You know, access has been much improved this year. I think he's very comfortable with the, the coaching staff even though he had to make a couple of adjustments. And I'm fixing to sneeze. 
welcome to, to quote unquote live taped radio. There's but, a mute um, button, KJ. There's a mute button next time. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, you know, I, I think he's getting comfortable. I think the first two years have been such um, difficult global and 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 macro situations that you know this is really the first winter, spring, summer, and now in the fall camp where he can really put his stamp on this program. And so I think you're starting to see a little bit more enthusiasm uh, in, in terms of how he presents himself and how he talks about the team because he, he now has a better idea of who they are and what they are and are they buying in. Um, and, and I think there's a, just a general level of excitement now. By no means does that uh, indicate we're going to be playing for a national championship at the end of the year. But I think you genuinely see uh, the confidence building uh, in this program, and it's reflected by their leader and Coach Norvell. Next week will be a game week, and not that we're going to break down Duquesne, but uh, in, in hindsight, seems like a pretty good decision to schedule this Duquesne football game. So you do get a, a more than just a scrimmage in advance of LSU. Would you agree? Oh, very much so, and I'd encourage our listeners to, uh, if they want to know why and all the reasons why Florida State scheduled Duquesne, Jerry Kutz from the Osceola had a great article. It's actually a repeat of a prior article that he kind of updated, but go to the website, go to the Osceola site, the rival site, and pull that up, and and how everything came together in order to make this game uh, a possibility uh, is really, really um insightful and some behind the scenes thinking outside of the box by FSU and, and its administration. So, yeah, I, I think it fits very well with where this team is in year three and what Florida State's trying to accomplish in 22. Keith, I asked you about Jordan Travis and the offense at the start of the show because offense sells popcorn, as you begrudgingly know, as a as a defensive guy. But I'm excited to see what this defense can become, given the the parts that we talked about with Bob and the strength up the middle and and then talent at at the corner position. Uh, And and it's not like the the cupboard is bare at the defensive end spot. It's just that the guy who was there last year was so doggone good. We're not going to say anybody's going to be able to do what Jermaine did. But I guess what I want to see, Keith, more than anything, is I don't want to see guys running free. The other team's going to make some plays. Receivers are going to catch the ball at times. But let's not have 10- and 15-yard busts or some of the things that uh, you might see early in the season. And to be frank, it, it wasn't just the first couple of years under Norvell and Adam Fuller. It, it's, it's been happening for several years, and we just need to shut some of that down. The, the buzzword, the term uh, that our listeners will be familiar with is, is explosive plays. And depending on how you uh, categorize them, you know, that's a run of 10 or 15 yards or more or a pass play of 15 or 20 yards or more. You know, every defense will have their own metrics. Uh, but I do believe that because of the increase in the talent and because of the uh, depth, and, and I really think, you know, Randy Shannon taking over that linebacker spot uh, is going to prove very beneficial. And remember, Adam will now be able to call some of the defenses that are a little more aggressive than he's been able to call in the past two years because you got to kind of protect those Achilles heels and those those spots that you really don't have 
the type of player or the quality of player that you ultimately need in order to do that. So you put all that together, and I think this will be a defense that doesn't give up as many big plays, will not have people running free, which you were alluding to, and will actually be able to perform in such a way that you'll be able to see the talents of this coaching staff and how they've coached these kids and then how these kids execute. The other thing I'm excited for is the special teams and the returns in particular, which really has not been a factor around here for a while, and that's much different than FSU's history. Part of that is the evolution of the game and the way people punt now, and you can fair catch a kickoff and all that. But I I think when you talk about Deuce Spann and Trey Benson and Sam McCall and Micah Pittman, you've got a good mix, new faces really in in the in the mix there in terms of the returners, uh, and I think you got a chance to to spring some things, at least flip the field a little bit, or just start out not backed up, which unfortunately has been a pattern for several years now. Well, you've seen a renewed interest and, and, and focus from the coaching staff, because as we've talked about, they're going live a lot more with special teams, uh, particularly the return game. So the emphasis is there. Uh, some new talent is there. Uh, some renewed commitment is there. I, I do I do think you'll see a very good improvement in the kicking game, particularly, as you mentioned, the return game. Okay. Next time we chat, Keith, it'll be a game week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. As always, he's Keith. I'm Tom, and this is Front Row Knowles.